Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Can we just praise the Lord one more time? Thank you, Jesus, for your presence in this place. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness to your body. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You you may be seated in in Jesus' name. I I agree with uh, Pastor Wright. Um, Just knowing that the Lord never forsakes his people is so encouraging. He is always with his body. He's always connected to his body. And that encourages me. Amen. We're, we're so happy to be here tonight. Uh, we're very grateful uh, that Pastor Wright invited us to come. And we're, we're thankful to he and Sister Wright. And we give them honor. Uh, we give Bishop Wright honor. Amen. Amen. We, they have been uh, quite a help to us. I mean, there is so much ministry that has flowed from this body to us at Living Hope DC and has influenced and touched our lives. I mean, I hope you all know that, right? That Antioch is a picture of strength. From the outside looking in, this is a picture of strength to me. And it's a strength full of solid foundation. And so I'm grateful that you're here. And I'm grateful that you are strong. And I'm grateful that you share that strength outside of the four walls. And uh, many, many of the ministry here have blessed me. I know I've gotten a chance to minister with Brother Yu, and um, I know Pastor Joel Wright is not here tonight, but he's um, counseled me in, in various ways. And I'm just very gr- grateful for the Wright family and, and for this church. And for all of you, the saints of God, I give honor to you because without you, there is no church. And so um, we're going to, in just a second, we're going to, uh, we have a little presentation we're going to give. We just got a new video. It's hot off the press. You're the first guys to see it. It goes with the light show. We coordinated it that way. But uh, we're going to show that in just a minute. But before I do that, I, I always like to give uh, my wife, Kristen, a chance to come and greet you and, and share what's on her heart. And if our boys run while we're changing microphone, they're used to full contact. So just grab them, and I'll come and get them from you. Hallelujah. Wow, it's, it's a miracle to be standing before you right now as someone who has been approved to be an aimer to Barcelona, Spain. I remember... My first ladies' district conference right here at, at Antioch, I, I believe it was either 2010 or 2011. I'm not sure if it was hosted here in, in both of those years. But I, I moved to D.C. You're going to hear all about it in the video. But um, I am relatively new in the Lord. I spent 30 years of my life living in sin, b- being very self-destructive, um, turning away, not living for the Lord, living for myself. And so it's a miracle that after 30 years of living a life like that, over the past nine years, what the Lord has done in my life. Number one, how many know the greatest miracles to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost? My life has never been the same since the Lord filled me in February of 2011 with the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
We serve a God of miracles. And from then, he gave me a husband who serves the Lord. And then after that, he gave us two children who are healthy, despite what the doctors had said. Because I know, how many of you know that once you start living for the Lord, it's not, um, you know, and you live happily ever after. So Sam and I got married in 2012, and we were newlyweds. And I felt the Lord um, laid it on my heart to share this testimony with you because I've never actually shared this in a church setting, this testimony. But um, we were living the newlywed life, honeymooners, and life couldn't get any better. Things were, were, were on fire at church. We were about to move into a larger building at Living Hope, D.C., and I had some symptoms. I just thought it was a, com- a typical common ailment. And I would go to the doctor, and they would give me an antibiotic, and I'd be good to go and move forward. Well, I went to the doctor, and expecting no big deal. And when I did, the doctor diagnosed me with an incurable disease. And when she did that, I said, well, what else could it be? I, I refused to believe it. I said, what else could it be? It can't be in this incurable disease that you're diagnosing me with. She said, I don't know what else it would be, but I'm going to I'm gonna take some tests. I'm going to run some tests. I'm going to give you this medicine. And I said, how long do I take this for? She said, well, most people with this disease take it for the rest of their lives, so you can start taking it right away. And I was in shock and left the doctor's office, went from being up here as a newlywed, and it seemed like everything was perfect, to way down here. I went home. I laid on the carpet. Sam was still at work, and I just wept. I laid just prostrate on the floor. I was just weeping. How is this going to affect my marriage? The doctor said this would affect our... We didn't have children at the time, but it would affect if we had children. It could put our children at risk. I was just thinking... I just felt so defeated, very low, and um, I was afraid, you know, this is going to ruin my marriage. And I called Sam at work, and I said, I have some bad news I need to talk to you. And so he came home from work, and I shared the doctor's diagnosis with him and he said no you don't you don't have that disease he said we're gonna pray he said you're a new creature he said by god's stripes you are healed and so he lifted me up off the floor and we began to pray and he just continued to speak the word of god when i how many have a spouse that when you're down here they they pick you up and when the other one's down there. Your spouse picks you up. God is so good for giving me a husband like that. Whenever I'm down, he lifts me up, and it goes both ways. But I, I was very low, and um, we just went to church that Saturday, and we asked for prayer, and we had this powerful prayer. And I felt after that prayer, I said, I do. I feel like I've been healed. And then we went home, and all of a sudden, I had pain come back worse than it had been the entire time, just this horrible pain. It was worse than it had ever been. And I just began weeping. And I just told Sam, I said, I feel so defeated. And he just prayed for me. And Sunday came, went to church on Sunday and just continued to pray, continued to believe. But honestly, in my spirit, I just felt very low, very defeated. And um, our church was moving on Monday. I signed up to help the church move, even though I was in pain and I felt low. I didn't really want to get out of bed, but I said, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go and I'm going to help us move. We're going to move into this new building. And Sam said, are you sure? I know you're not feeling that great. I said, yeah, I'm sure I'm going to come and I'm going to, we're going to help move and we're going to be grateful and joyful that we, the Lord has given us this new building. So we went and I moved and I remember driving home after we helped the church move to the new building all day. It was a Monday holiday, 
Monday, so everything was closed. But then I get a call. I actually had a voicemail from my doctor as we were getting home. And I didn't know it was from my doctor. I listened to the voicemail, and she said, Hi, Kristen. She said, This is your doctor. She said, We got the tests back. And she said, Everything is clear. She said, I'm so sorry to do this to you. She said, I, I don't know what that was. I hope you're feeling better. But she said, I, I everything is good, so I hope you're feeling better. And I just... <laughs> I just, we just praised the Lord. We just, I remember being in that car. We just hugged and we wept and we praised the Lord. And so I'm here to tell you today that I am a testimony. No matter what the doctors say, he is able. No matter how you feel in your body, he is able. No matter how bad the pain comes back after a good prayer meeting, he is able. He is the God of miracles. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is here in this place you tonight. If you have a sickness, he is here to touch your body because he has the final say. His promises are yea and amen. And by his stripes, you, his child, are healed. It was already done. Just receive it. In Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's praise the Lord. He is a miracle worker. He is a healer. He is a deliverer. He can do anything. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for your presence here tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Oh, man. You're going to find out my wife is a better preacher than I am. I'm, I do feel the Lord's going to do some miraculous things here tonight. I know it's a Thursday. I don't know if that's, I hear that a lot. Well, it's a Thursday night, but God's still going to, of course God's still going to do stuff on a Thursday night. God doesn't take off Thursdays, last I heard. And I just feel, I, I felt a lot of, a lot of times, you may be seated, I don't want to make you, a lot of times when I do this, stuff. I'm not a super experienced preacher who preaches out a lot, but I tend to feel what I'm supposed to minister, which is not the greatest thing. Uh, always. I'm just being very transparent. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's Thursday night, but, uh, I just felt, I felt a lot of, um, confusion. I felt a lot of cloudiness. I have felt like I could not connect with God the last few days. It has been a struggle, and that is not typical. And um, it hasn't been, um, it's just been all these other things flooding my mind, barraging my mind, constant. It's like every time I'm, I'm close to the Lord, something is coming in trying to barrage. And I felt the Lord say that people here are dealing with that. And I believe that God's going to clear our minds tonight. God's going to give us peace. He is the God of all peace. And he gives peace that the world cannot give you. And I believe people are going to be healed. I believe people are going to be delivered. But I believe we're going to have peace when we leave this place. About whatever our situation is. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I got to show this video. So we're going to show the video. 
And then we're going to minister, and that's going to be the good part. All right, the video's good. All right. Amen. I'm ready when you guys are. Do you like the video or the lights better? I'm Sam. And this is my wife, Kristen, and this is our story. Nine years ago, we came to Washington, D.C. independently to pursue our respective careers. Somewhere along the way, we met, married, and built a family. Our two boys, Beniah and Xander, provide an endless supply of joy and excitement to our lives. <laughs> I came to D.C. because I wanted to change the world. I wanted to use my scientific training inform policy and decision makers at the highest levels of government. After completing my PhD in nuclear engineering, I landed what I thought was my dream job, working for the U.S. Navy. My support to the U.S. Navy took me to multiple continents and multiple countries, and I even got to fly on and off aircraft carriers in my support to the sailors and soldiers abroad. While walking the busy streets of Barcelona, I wasn't even aware that I was lost. I was studying Spanish in Europe, taking in all the best the world had to offer, filling my empty soul with alcohol and other worldly things. I fell in love with Spain and its people. Since my college years, I found it impossible to turn away opportunities to develop my Spanish language and to learn more about the Spanish culture. I studied my, for my master's degree on the Texas-Mexico border, and then I moved to the Dominican Republic in order to use my degree there in education. My passion for Spanish brought me to Washington, D.C. to work in an English-Spanish public charter school. Thanks to our pastors, Jerry and Linda Staten, I found much more than a job in Washington, D.C. I found the truth. I was baptized in the powerful name of Jesus, and during a missionary service, I was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, just like in Acts 10, as the preacher yet spake the word. Every missionary service from that point on, I found myself weeping for the lost souls that were around the world as the missionaries shared their stories from around the world. Pastor Staten possesses a contagious evangelistic spirit, which birthed in us a desire for evangelism and for ministry. In 2017 at the UPCI General Conference, I felt God call me to lay down my secular career for ministry. It was the singular most gut-wrenching prayer I had ever prayed. I thought, God, you want me to lay down everything I have worked for to pursue this? Well, the answer came back, yes. Not knowing how, not knowing when, we began to take steps to prepare ourselves for God's calling on our lives. It's not your calling, it's His calling. Be pliable in God's hands. 
These words were spoken over us at the 2018 UPCI General Conference Global Mission Service, and they still echo in our hearts today. That night, God laid a burden on us for foreign missions. I have a strong desire to seek and save that which is lost, just like I was. For the past seven years, we've been working under Pastor Staten in a multicultural metro environment, developing small groups, Bible studies, and training leaders. I've seen many souls receive revelation of Jesus Christ and his plan of salvation for their lives through small groups and Bible studies. In May of 2019, God opened the door for us to travel and to visit Barcelona, Spain. This time, as I walked the streets, I felt heavy and burdened. I remembered what it was like to live lost, seeking to fill my empty soul with the things of the world. That trip served to confirm our burden for the people of Spain. We're now raising a budget for a one-year AIM tour in Spain, working under missionaries Nathan and Tanya Herod. Our goal is to be on site in Spain by February of 2020. We're ready to go. Estamos listos de irnos. We can't do it without you. No lo podemos hacer sin ti. Will you help us take this first step of faith? Nos ayudarás tomar este primer paso de fe? Amen. Amen. Thank you, media team back there, for, for getting that to work. Um, we're really excited about it. It's a big change. But I remember, for me, really the big one was 2017 when the call came. 20, it's, been, it's been 18 years that I've been working at my career. And uh, I was very uncertain. I said, God, did you really just tell me to do that? And uh, I got on the plane to come back uh, from General Conference. My wife had sent me. She said, hey, you need to go, go. And... Um, so I went by myself, got on the plane, and I was sitting by an elderly couple, and we just got to talking, and they were um, sharing with me about their family, they're sharing with me about their son, and they started to tell me, they said, you know, he's a, he's a minister. I was telling them I was at a minister's conference, and they said, well, our son, he's a minister. I said, oh, that's great. And uh, they said, but you know, he's not always been a minister. They said, you know, he just laid down a really lucrative career in sales to pursue the ministry. And I was in the window seat, so I couldn't get out, right? I thought I could make a break for it, but... So I said the, Lord's, the Lord was speaking. And so it's really been a... It doesn't seem that long, but it's really been a process of two years that the Lord has been dealing with us about this. And so um, that's part of the reason we're here tonight, is that if uh, you desire, if, if what we've shown and what we've ministered here tonight and you desire to support us, we need your support. And we have a table back there. You can find it by the big Spanish flag draped over it. And uh, we have uh, partner and missions forms, and we also have these handy little prayer cards. You can put us up on your fridge and remember to pray for us. We need that kind of support uh, more, and definitely just as much. And um, there's also a way to support us, and it has our contact information on there. And so if the Lord lays it on your heart, we'd be grateful if you could help us fulfill what God is calling us to do on our lives. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to go straight into the Word of God, um, the book of Psalms. 
chapter 113, and we're going to read verses 5 through 9. I'm very excited about what God's going to do tonight. I'm excited about Spain. I'm excited to go. I'm excited to use what God has given me there. But I'm also excited about what God's going to do here tonight. I believe God wants to lift us. Amen. I'm going to be reading a slightly different translation. It's the New Living Translation, um, but it's pretty close with the King James Version. Verses 5 through 9, it says, Who can be compared with the Lord our God who is enthroned on high? He stoops to look down on heaven and earth. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, even the princes of his own people. He gives the childless woman a family, making her a happy mother. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'd like to just talk for a few minutes tonight on the subject of lift. Lift. Amen. You may be seated in the precious name of Jesus. If you just raise your hand as you are and just one more time, thank the Lord for his presence here tonight and that he would have his way and that his will would be done because ultimately we are just trying to get in the will of the Lord. Lord, I pray right now for this service tonight. I pray for your people, O oh God. I pray that you would bless your word in the name of Jesus. Lord, and I take authority and bind every spirit of doubt. I bind every spirit of fear. And I loose faith into this building. I loose deliverance and healing and peace into this building tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, God. We thank you that you've given us the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. On October 19th, 1781, the sword of British General Cornwallis was surrendered to the American and French commanders ending the Battle of Yorktown and the Revolutionary War. Legend maintains that the British and Hessian soldiers piped the ballad, The World Turned Upside Down, during the surrender. It expressed their utter astonishment that this fledgling republic had bested the full might of a global empire. A ragtag group of American revolutionaries prevailed against the exquisitely trained and the superbly disciplined redcoats of the British army. Some reject the playing of this song as historical fact and claim that it is just the stuff of legend, along with George Washington chopping down the cherry tree. I don't know if the British really played this song, but they should have. America's victory was impossible. Even in that day, many marked the winning of America's independence as the very providence of God. Because only God could have had the power to do something so monumental. Only he could have made somebody so weak able to overcome somebody who was so strong. 
I want to tell us tonight that God is in the business of turning the world upside down. God is in the business of making the weak strong, of making the poor rich, of making the humble be exalted. Churches stand eager to proclaim this truth as long as its application remains limited to evangelism. In Acts we read, these that have turned the world upside down preaching the gospel are come hither also. And we shout about this, and we should. And we readily embrace our mandate to do the same, and we should. But what about God's ability to visit us on our hospital bed, or in our living room, or in our dark situation, and turn our world upside down? Scripture says, they shall be my people and I will be their God. There is ownership. We are his possession and he cares about us. We need a mindset change. We need to believe that God wants to raise us up and make our lives better for our children and our grandchildren. I am not preaching that Christians will never uh, have problems and that we will be rich. In fact, I am preaching the exact opposite of that. That in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our infirmities and our disadvantages, that God is able to lift us. Our betterment as people and families is a natural byproduct of who is living inside us. We should be the best people in every way. We have a first class God who is in us through the power of the Holy Ghost. People should look at us and say, how did that person turn into this person? It's impossible. But by the power of the Holy Ghost, but by the power of God and the working of his spirit. Theologians have actually observed this and documented this phenomenon. And they call it something very fancy. Salvific lift. Yeah, sounds good. I just said lift. I didn't push the first part aside. I want to draw on two authoritative sources tonight to connect the infilling in our pursuit of the Spirit with the betterment of individuals and communities and subsequent generations in our own lives. We talked about thanksgiving and ministering. We should be known as a people who are the best of the community. I believe. I believe that. My two sources will be the Bible and an outsider. I want to share an outsider's perspective with you tonight. Like all the Psalms, the purpose of our text is to bring glory to God. 
It does this by showing the greatness of God in his concern and help of the poor, the needy, and the barren, or the woman who cannot have a child or does not have the ability to give birth. In this psalm, God's exalted state enhances his condescension. It says he stoops to see the sky. And yet he stoops even further to help the fatherless and the needy. God's exalted state makes his condescension to my level, to your level, even more amazing. He cares. He cares for us. The Old Testament reveals the terrible conditions of the poor. They lived in the dust and garbage dump. The poor were a group vulnerable to exploitation and oppression by the rich and the powerful. They were pawns to be moved. They were resources to be expended. They had no rights. They had no safety net. They had nothing. The barren fared no better. Barrenness was considered a curse from God and a social disgrace. Today, we rightly empathize with a woman who cannot have children. By contrast, in ancient Israel, the best way for a woman to to express herself was through children. Through giving birth to a child, especially boys. It was her way to achieve recognition and to have personal security. A woman who failed to produce suffered severe social loss and risked rejection by her own husband and family and was many times suspected for indecent behavior just because she could not have a child. And Psalms 113 is a celebration of God's ability to intervene on behalf of those who are the lowest of the low. They are the marginalized. They are the outcasts and the outsiders. And yet God cares about them and visits them and makes their barrenness turn into fruitfulness. I don't want us to write this message off if we don't specifically fit into one of these categories. Perhaps some of you can identify with God lifting you out of poverty or lifting you out of homelessness. There's a man at our church, Brother Gregory, who was homeless. He was a drug addict. He lived under a bridge. That's homeless. I mean, that's what you think of. Well, today... He got the holy, I don't know what happened. I can't chart like what, what did, what strategic financial plan and steps did he take that got him out of that place and got him to where he is driving a Corvette today? I can't. But I can tell you, he got the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost got him, and over time, that spirit just worked, and it worked, and it worked, and it lifted him. It lifted him. And God wants to lift us. God desires to lift us. 
I'm not interested in the particulars of what is keeping you down tonight. Honestly, it is not any of my business. But I am interested in telling you about the one who is able to lift you out of every circumstance and every situation and whatever trial you are in. Regardless of where we are in this process, where we are in life, where we are walking with Jesus, this lifting process never stops. It never stops. We are to continue to be on the rise with Jesus until we are conformed to the image of his dear son or go home to be with him in glory. Now, I would like to share with you this outsider's perspective. I stumbled upon this while taking a course in the history of Christian theology. This man is named Professor Philip Carey. He's the director of philosophy program at Eastern University in Pennsylvania. And he carries PhDs in philosophy and religious studies. He's taught at Yale, Villanova, and other universities. He's smart. For context, I am going to quote an excerpt from this lecture that I took about the experience of being baptized with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. This is his perspective. He's like Episcopalian or something. I cannot remember. But this is what he says. And I quote, So it seems to be that this Pentecostal experience may indeed go back to the early church. All right, this is me. Duh. We know. Thank you. All right, I'm back to him. The Pentecostals call it the apostolic faith because they think it happened in these early churches, the church of the apostle Paul. Um, maybe it's not miraculous, but it's certainly a powerful experience. And here's something I want to say for all of us non-Pentecostals who may be sort of wondering what's going on here. Are these people crazy? Well, no. And I mean, I would say... Here's me again. We are crazy. We're crazy for Jesus Christ. We're crazy for the cross. We're crazy for the blood. We're crazy for what he did for us. And we'll dance. And we'll shout. And we'll scream. And I'll act crazy because he saved me. He lifted me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to this man's words. Pentecostalism is the largest, fastest growing form of global Christianity today. You didn't hear that on CNN, did you? Pentecostalism has spread like wildfire. It is the fastest set of growing churches in Latin America, very influential in Africa, and in these countries... Latin America and Africa, the Pentecostal churches are the church of the poor. The poor people love this experience. It is a sort of evidence that God is with them even in their poverty. It is tied to a very 
puritanical lifestyle. He's talking about holiness. Listen to how he describes it. This is good, I think, for apostolics to hear. Listen to how he describes it. Pentecostals stop smoking. They stop drinking. Men stop beating their wives and running around. You get stable families. Stable families. Among the poor. Among the destitute. So that the children of the destitute end up becoming respectably poor. Or maybe even lower middle class. And their children end up maybe going to college. Here's the quote. The Pentecostals are the church of the poor. And in the second or third generation, the poor are no longer poor because of Pentecostalism. We know it. We've lived it. We've experienced it. But here is a man that doesn't know a lick about the Holy Ghost. And he is saying there is something about what you people have. It stabilizes. It lifts. It prospers. God has given us the greatest gift the universe has ever known. baba. Why don't we pray in tongues right now and exercise the power? Hallelujah! Oh, I thank you, Jesus. He's working right now. I can see him unraveling things in souls and in your minds and deep in your spirits. He's setting things right. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I want to keep going because there's a teaching aspect to this message, okay? I know the Spirit is here. I don't want to quench that. But I think there's some instruction that goes with this, okay? I'm going to try and break it down to brass tacks and make it as practical and plain as I can. Only God has the power to change entire societies, entire nations. And he's doing it by the power of the Holy Ghost. If we need our world to be turned upside down, not our world, the world, but our world, me, my family, my children, my circumstance, my health, my mind, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. 
The solution isn't a social program. It's not a new government. It's not some sort of humanitarian aid or help or assistance. All those things are wonderful, and I'm thankful for them. But what we really need is to be filled with the Spirit of the living God. Now, they've got a slide for me that they said they could show to help. I I don't claim to understand the psychology of what God is doing. I don't know how he changes us like this. I really don't. It's the most beautiful process to watch, I think, is the transformation of a soul that has been captured by God. But I think this physical parable about the force of lift might help us understand what Psalms is saying, what this outsider is saying. So I guess I'm going to invoke three authoritative sources. NASA's the third. Hopefully they know something about flying. According to NASA, lift is the force that directly opposes the weight of an airplane and holds the airplane in the air. So I want to ask what's keeping us down. Is it depression? Is it poverty? Is it sickness? Is it addiction? Is it sin? Either way, it's all a result of capital S-I-N. The big sin, the fall, the curse. The stuff we deal with is a result of sin. Did you notice that this man said holiness brings stability? Where there's righteousness and holiness, there is stability in our lives. And it leads to a change even of our social status. Of our economic situation, if need be. But sin always counteracts the force of lift. It is a weight and a destabilizer. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I think sometimes we don't even know what is keeping us down. We've all got an unovercomable barrier without the help of the Holy Ghost. I believe there are family cycles and stuff just gets ingrained in the soul and in the spirit of man. And what happens is they don't even know why they're doing it. Why am I doing what I hate? We need the spirit to counteract that. I'm thankful for good psychologists, but they could spend years and never unravel what's going on. And then they give you no power to deal with it. They give you a pill. But Jesus can work and he can change and he can lift you and he can change you. It Lifting, it doesn't care what the weight is. It doesn't care what it is. It can be passengers on the plane. It can be their suitcases. You can put an 800-pound gorilla in there. The force of lift doesn't care. It just picks it up and lifts it. And Jesus knows what the weight is. I don't have to know. It doesn't matter. But if you will get in the spirit and allow him to work, this lifting process will lift you out of that weight and that darkness. 
He knows how to overcome your past. He knows how to overcome your mistakes. Stop trying to figure it out. Get in the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. And he will lift you. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. NASA says no fluid, no lift. No fluid, no lift. For lift to be generated, the solid body must be in contact with the fluid. No fluid, no lift. So we're going to do a crash course in physics. Let's think about airplanes. They fly in the air. Amen. You glad I paid a lot for my fancy education? Airplanes fly in the air. Air is a fluid. It's a compressible fluid, but it's a fluid. Like water, syrup, or gasoline, we don't typically think of it, but it is a fluid. So let's make an analogy. What do we call air that's moving? Wind. In both the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the original words for breath or wind are the same word for spirit. Breath, wind, spirit. It's all the same. So it's talking about no spirit, no lift. No spirit, no lift. It says for lift to be generated, a person must be in contact with the fluid. So for lift to be generated in the spiritual sense, we have got to be in contact with the spirit. Like it needs to be in air and immersed in air. We need to be immersed in the spirit. And it is not a one-time thing. You don't speak in tongues once and never go back to that place. you got to be filled with the Spirit, immersed in the Spirit over and over and over again. And the more you find yourself soaking up the presence of God, the more lift will be generated in your life. That's why this is so important. You are in the presence of God and you don't feel it. You don't feel it. But God is working. God is working in seven layer chess, man. He is a plan and he's working things for years in our lives. And we think it's so hard to go to home fellowship group. It's so hard to go to Bible study and just nothing. It doesn't feel like anything's changing, but you are entering the presence of God every time you go there and he is working. He is transforming. He is lifting. We've got to keep moving forward. Christian, don't stop. To stop is to fall. Planes have big engines. They've got to generate thrust for lift to be generated. No motion, no lift. If you stop moving forward, you will fall. Keep moving forward, Christian. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose faith. Keep walking. Keep moving. And God will lift you. Amen. Let's all stand together. Drag 
is the force that opposes thrust. Drag forces in our lives try to stop us. They will slow us down and they will prolong the lifting process that God is trying to affect. The biggest drag force, I believe, in a Christian's life is doubt and the lack of imagination. Psalm 78 and verse 41 says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. If we've got to figure it out to trust God to move, then He can only move in our little box. We've got to not worry about what we can understand and what we can imagine. God is bigger than us. His ways are higher than our ways. We don't have to understand how God's going to do what God's going to do. But if we will just trust Him, He will do it. Don't limit God because you can't see the way out. He sees the way out. He sees how to lift you. This young man over here is just touching my heart. Could we all just for one second put our raise our hands over here and just begin to pray for him? I don't know what God is doing right now. Oh, Jesus, lift him, touch him, strengthen him. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I wonder if everyone that is able... If you would come to the front, I don't know how you do it on Thursday night, but just respond. If you feel a need, if you need anything from God, I'd like us to come to the front right now. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. God's lifting that young man over there. We're going to pray together. I know what Pastor Wright did earlier where he had you grab the hand of your neighbor. I saw that. I mean, I'm not trying to be spooky, but I knew God wanted to do that tonight. There is power and strength in this body. You are believers filled with the Holy Ghost and you have power to pray. You have power to speak things into one another's lives. And God will hear you and God will do it. So before we begin to pray, before we begin to pray, it doesn't matter typically what I'm doing or what the ministry's been, but I always like to repent first. I always want to repent. Whether or not we're praying for the Holy Ghost, if there's sin in your life, the devil will condemn you right out of the blessing God wants to give you. So we need to repent together. And I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer of repentance. You can repeat after me or you can pray your own prayer to God. But we're going to get our hearts clean so that our conscience is clean. And we can receive from the Lord. 
Lord Jesus, I come to you asking forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me of everything I've thought, everything I've said, everything I've done, everything I've looked at. If there is something I've done that has offended you, and I don't even know what it is, forgive me. Clean my heart. Cover me with your blood. And let me be pure in your sight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now I want to ask us, if you have a need, any kind of need, healing, deliverance, you need that peace we talked about. I'd like you to raise your hand and keep it in the air. Could you do that with me? If you have need and you really want prayer tonight, could you raise your hand and keep it in the air? Now, if you're a saint of God, I'd ask you to move. If you've not raised your hand, I'd ask you to move to one person who has their hand raised. Just move to them right now. Don't begin to pray yet. I know this seems mechanical, but it's not us and emotions that cause God to move. It's the Spirit of God, which is here, and there's faith here. And God's going to move regardless. So if you've moved over to that person, I want you to take one second, and I want you to ask them what they need. I want you to ask them what they need. Unless you know, just take one second to ask them what they need. That's okay. All right. Before we begin to pray, I'm not trying, I'm trying to, I want us to address the situation. I want us to speak to the mountain. Okay? Don't ask Jesus to do it. Speak to the mountain. Command it to be so. If it's healing, command the sickness to leave. Command the disease to leave. If it's a lack of peace, Speak peace. Speak to the mountain as you begin to pray right now. Speak to the mountain. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.